Welcome back, friends. This is The Rift, Enlightenment Within the Divide. I'm your host, Sam Denning. Joining me again today is Steve Casey and Tony Patrick. I decided uh, after long conversations with the two of them that we needed to do a group podcast instead of just individual conversations. As I've told you all, they'd be regular listeners. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. But uh, it's a very good conversation here. We're going to try to talk a little bit about the election, the election results, and where this may lead uh, us to believe that the country is heading, um, either positively or negatively. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. guys welcome good to be here always a pleasure yeah I, I do really enjoy talking to the two of you um so i wanted to kind of start this out by just giving a little spiel and we can all just start from there and start talking about it so my thoughts are that um you know there are things going on in this election and it's being challenged but i think that joe biden will probably still turn out to be the victor some some of you guys may even disagree with that but let's go with that assumption in this um, currently. He is calling for unity, as is everybody else in the Democratic Party. Um, and I do, I'm do. i going to throw this out there, that I do find it funny that typically there is a correlation between winning something and calling for unity. Um, it seems to be that whenever you get your way, you want everybody to also agree with that way. And that's like an actual, like there's been research on that in psychological papers. But let's uh, throw that out there. But my my biggest issue is this call for unity is coming from a party that has been anything but unifying over the past four years. They did not accept the uh, election results when Trump beat Clinton. Now, yes, Clinton did uh, concede, but she kind of knew um, that there was something on the back burner, as we're all finding out still that there were other things at play that could possibly dethrone Trump, not just the mainstream media constantly attacking him over the last four years, big tech as well. But she literally had devised this Russia narrative um, that led to endless investigations, uh, things of that nature. So they were not, they were not, yeah, they were not um, unifying by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they even impeached the guy over conversations with the president of Ukraine about dealings with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden that they actually had, and the FBI knew about the evidence because they were sitting on Hunter's laptop. How convenient that nobody brought that up. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. The point is there's all these calls for unity. And my thoughts are how can you possibly expect people people that you've been demonizing for the last four years, not just not just saying you disagree with them politically, but you've literally been saying that if you support Donald Trump and any of his policies, you're you're racist, you're a homophobe, you are a xenophobe, you are, you know, you name the list, a bigot. Okay, so it's 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 above and beyond that. Those are deeply personal attacks about people's characters. You know, you're deplorable. That was a Hillary Clinton saying, but I'm just saying these deep rooted things. 
and people have actually thousands. I don't know the statistics. I'm just guessing here. Um, thousands of people over the last four years literally have lost their jobs for supporting Donald Trump. That is a that is true. Because if someone supports Donald Trump, maybe somebody in there calls them out and says they're a racist. How do you defend someone calling you racist? You can't. Um, you say, oh, I'm not a racist. And they go, see, you, you're denying it. But anyway, the, the point is, is that unifying? And that's been going on for the last four years. Um, how, do, how does an election result, let's say, you know, Joe Biden wins. How does that magically just stop? Okay. I mean, do, do, are we suddenly no longer racist for, for that? Like, are we, am I no longer a bigot? Is it, is it over or is that how they still feel about me? I take it personally because I've supported Trump. So that, that must mean me. Um, where do we go from here? I think that what they really mean by unifying us is, uh, we need to unify around their ideology or, um, we're going to be on a list somewhere. So toe the line. Um, that's kind of how I take it, uh, which is kind of antithetical to this podcast, which is not in line with maybe what they're saying. But um, I don't think it's going to end from there. I think that people's jobs are still going to be getting gunned for based on their thoughts. Um, so let's start with Steve and then we'll just bounce around. We don't have to hang around this topic specifically, but I want to, rev- how can we, as a nation be unified after four years of that. First, I would like to say that I like your terminology. They, uh, they've been demonizing us for the last four years. Actually, they've been de- demonizing us for the last five years, even before I really started to, uh, <clears throat> honestly support Trump myself. Um, back when I thought that he was just looking for ratings for his reality TV shows. But, um, it's also a very good point that you make that a lot of people have lost their livelihoods. People have been banned uh, from even using certain credit card services like Visa and MasterCard just because of their beliefs, their opinions. And if you really want to get technical, that would be considered tortious interference because, you know, you're you're interfering with uh, people's dealings from like one group of payee to another group of payor by way of tort. But uh, all that aside, they want to call for unity now. Um, And I I think I agree with you in that uh, their definition of unity is more along the lines of bend the knee and toe the line like you conservative pansies have been doing since the uh, Mitt Romney days. Um, I think that uh, a, a perfect microcosm of the Democratic Party and the left in general's um, sort of way to quote unquote bring us in would be Michelle Obama's tweet, you know. Um, and I asked you to bring that up. Yeah, you want me to just read it real quick? Yeah, if you don't care, just read it. Yeah, that off just real quick. Uh, two days ago, actually, it might be three days ago now, but Michelle Obama. Uh, had said, let's not remember that tens of millions of people voted for the status quo, even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. We've got a lot of work to do to reach out to these folks in the years ahead and connect with them on what unites us. So basically, anybody that voted for Trump supported nothing but lies, 
They supported nothing but hate, nothing but chaos, and nothing but division. And then she finishes it by saying, uh, okay, let's get together. The funny thing is, is what she's actually referring to is her own husband's second term. Uh, because honestly, what did Obama bring about? Nothing but hate, chaos, division, uh, et cetera. You know, whenever he basically tacitly supported the burning down of Ferguson. Um, so it, it's hilarious to me to think that she's going to go from reminding us just how much of deplorable chumps we are and then saying, but hey, let's be friends now. And I, the way that I see it, if you want to reach across the aisle to me, I'm going to bite your finger. Yeah, I, well put, Steve. I feel like, uh, before I go to you, Tony, it's just so hard to believe that there can be someone that used to be the first lady tweeting out to everyone, telling them that, you know, literally nearly 50% of the voting American public, that they support hate because they voted for Trump. Is it not possible that they have been seeing the decline of the United States, which everybody has seen if they're intellectually honest over the last 50, 60 years and they liked the change that Trump brought about. Um, is that possible? I don't, I don't know. That's kind of what I liked. That's why I voted for the guy. I didn't see any hate. The only hate I saw was the media. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I was just thinking back at, uh, some of the things that were said, um, uh, when Trump first got elected and uh, was um, doing his inauguration speech, uh, the uh, some of the senators and representatives uh, refused to show up and to um, uh, they they didn't want to legitimize Trump as a uh, as a president and um, some of the other comments. Uh, by uh, uh, some of the the stars or the Hollywood stars, uh, you know, like um, they're going to blow up the White House, and th- these things just don't get erased. I mean, the the hatred toward Trump is—I I guess it's been called the Trump derangement syndrome. Um, Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it's a uh, hatred that is irrational. It's uh, a sickness. It, it, it is, and you you got to ask yourself um, why. Well, I mean, it, is is it, are our elections? Um, why are they so? Why are people so passionate? And it all comes back to the um the hunger for power and um if if you have nothing else in life to fall back on uh and that is your main focus in life is the power that you have then you when you lose it it, your power is everything and so you know trump is a representative of of uh some of the things that we've seen and he 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 came to be because um, we, as Americans, saw um, our country um, being taken over by the political elite and the uh, industrial elite. And 
there was no place for the common um, citizen. Um, mm-hmm. We we almost didn't fit in, and um, I think some of the descriptives that have been talked about today, <coughs> excuse me, are um, indicative of a of the the descriptions that um, or the way that we've been described it is is almost a, a slap in our face and that um, yeah uh, am I cutting in on you, if you go will? ahead I I think that Trump's big thing is um, he got elected in 2016 because he was saying the things to these this voting block you're talking about the middle Americans. He was talking to the common man um, about things that actually mattered to them. And that bucked the establishment in D.C. It bucked all the mainstream media because they were the people pulling the levers of power. You know, they had all eyes on it. So when he did win and get into election, they were all full bore against him. People like you and me and people that are, you know, liberal leaning, we don't get the way we are necessarily without the aid of a media outlet feeding us information. Now we, I'd like to think we seek out a lot more than most people, but let's just say, you know, you're, you're progressive and you're, you're, you're only getting fed one, you know, that's the power that those media outlets have. They have fomented so much hate for Trump by pushing it and push it. They are, in my opinion, they're the culprits behind uh, behind it. They're the, that's their power, and they're using it because they're angry. You know, Trump came right out of the gate in 2016 and just condemned the media, called them fake news, and that was their way of fighting back. And look at what they have done. Are they should they be proud of themselves, little kids? Yeah, the the media has <laughs> you know, really uh, in big tech, media and big tech, it's all has, the same. Has done America a disservice. I mean, we. They're truly we, the enemy of the people. We we look on TV and we see riots and fires and burning, looting and murdering and kill um, Yes, burning, looting and murdering, and we see these things with their own eyes, and they want to tell us that it's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, you, there's that famous scene of the uh, CNN reporter standing in front of a fire saying. Uh, most of these protests have been peaceful. Uh, every now and then you get a little bit of violence. These are uh, fiery but mostly peaceful protests. And that, to me, is a a perfect example of the kind of cognitive dissonance that they expect us to carry within our own minds. Right. And I think, how did we get to where we are today? It's obviously been going on for a long, long, long time. But the last election cycle... It was a surprise to everybody that Trump won. It was a surprise to most Republicans. People hoped, but they thought, oh, you know, Hillary's going to win this, right? It was basically a surprise. Well, how do we fight that surprise? Not only was this Russia collusion narrative already in the bag, right? Ready to pull out at any time, barring a loss for Clinton. But the media actively decided to promote hate. For four straight years, not just dislike, not just disagreement, sheer hate for Donald Trump. And then let's flash forward to Michelle Obama 
saying that all every single one of us for supporting Trump in this election supported hate. That's what I mean by pulling these strings and their puppet masters. The media actively engaged to, I don't know what you'd call it, there's a criminal term for it, conspire to get every single American on the left to hate Donald Trump and the people that support Donald Trump. That's what they actively did for four years. And they want us to now, um, it's all fine now, because we got enough of you guys to hate Trump that he's not going to be president anymore, so the, uh, the rest of you guys just have to toe the line. It's crazy. Donald Trump was an indictment. His election in 2016 was an indictment against the elite class. Yes, Donald Trump was a billionaire. But what do you notice about Donald Trump? He goes to all these rallies all over the United States. Nothing is different about the guy. He tells everyone what's on his mind. Every single person he sees gets the truth from him, whether it's he's telling a lie or not. He says the same thing all the time, right? They get a guy that shows up in a business suit everywhere. He has the same Queens accent. He doesn't fly into Iowa wearing a freaking flannel t-shirt and saying, y'all need to do this. What's that called? That's pandering. Trump never pandered to anybody. He said, I'm going to get you jobs, and he got them jobs. He showed up as Donald Trump to everybody. He was the people's people, and they've never, ever self-reflected. The, me- the mainstream media, big tech, and the Democratic Party, I'm going to say they're all the same thing. They should have looked introspectively after the 2016 election and said, why did he actually win? Why? Because he was real. Yes, that 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 is a great point. I, I mean... Uh, I, I watched one of the uh, uh, vice presidents, um, I guess his uh, rally or whatever, in the, where the cars are beeping. And uh, to listen to this guy, uh, there was nothing real about what he was saying. It was these, these flowery words. It, it really didn't even mean all that much. Plastic. It, yes. And um, that somehow he could magically... Uh, do better than Donald Trump, but it, you know anyone who is a, a thinker would say, "Well, how how can you say that you're better when you're saying that all of the things to uh, mitigate the virus or to uh, help us through this uh, terrible situation is that is exactly what Donald Trump has done and." Um, uh, I, I kind of got off track, but the uh, flowery words and the the charlatanism uh, promising us the world that uh, uh, he could do better. But there's a stark contrast between that flowery language and promising he can do better and he can provide us with cheap, affordable health care or you go down the list. Uh, Trump in contrast, has not promised us anything. He's just done a job and done it well. And you look at every issue that he's tackled, it's probably one of the rarest things that we've seen from a a politician to actually do what they promise the people. And, um, like you I know, said in a past podcast, there's tons of examples to tell us the truth. Yes. Well, he's not a politician and that's why you see, he's a businessman 
and you know business sense is closely related to common sense i had a professor in japan who told me that everything in business as long if it's profitable then it just makes sense business just makes sense and it turns out that common sense is closely related to conservative values that's how america got to where she is um and it just so happens that donald trump saw fit to try to 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 steer the ship in that direction and that's why he made these promises and kept them he wasn't beholden to all these special interests. He wasn't beholden to all these lobbyists because he, he already made his fortune. Why would he need an extra, a uh, couple of hundred thousand dollars a year added to his paycheck by, I don't know, giving some co- corporations special privileges and a leg up in uh, competition by way of raising the taxes to a point that a small business owner will never have a chance to even enter the arena. Yeah. Well, exactly. And well, there's always an old saying too, you know, the media made this person so the media can break them. They didn't make Donald Trump. He made himself. He made himself. Now, it could be, it could be argued that the media did bring him down this election, but by God, he had every force in the world against him. He had the pandemic, the media coverage of the pandemic, the big tech, everything. And what I would say about this election to kind of bring it back a little bit to the election, because I said we'd talk about it some, but this election, in my opinion, is is not an indictment on Trump's policies by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we the the, Demo- the Democrats lost seats in the House. Um, as far as I can tell, there may be a runoff elections in Georgia, but the the Republicans are going to keep their majority in the Senate. This was just a reflection on there were enough people that just that did not like. Trump's tweets. I mean, that's basically, in my opinion, what this boils down to. Not that they didn't like the agenda, but they didn't like his tweets. Now, the the Democratic Party, they did, they weren't going to like Trump anyway because the they've been this has been ingrained, you know. But it was they couldn't get over that. Enough Americans couldn't get over that. But it wasn't a living indictment on the agenda. It was just an indictment on. I personally don't really like the guy. And from a conservative viewpoint, that's huge because people, the middle-class America is starting to wake up. Like we've got to vote or we're going to lose this country. Um, maybe we did enough of us didn't like Donald Trump himself personally, but there, there are others out there that can ter- carry the torch. Maybe he'll come back, but we strongly, uh, what do you call it? Repudiated the, uh, the Democratic platform. I mean, it, this did not send a clear message that uh, we want socialism. And we want, you know, some of these first executive orders that uh, Biden is supposedly going to do, one of them is rejoin the WHO, you know, WHO, World Health Organization. Um, I'm sorry, but us exiting WHO, did that, did that affect anybody in this room? No, it didn't. And there's a reason that Donald Trump left the WHO. And this occurred during the early days of the pandemic. Um, Donald Trump, unlike Joe, unlike Beijing Biden, unlike uh, most of the other politicians, held the People's Republic of China, the mainland Communist Party, to account for the absolutely atrocious things that they do. And one of the atrocious things that they did was they excluded Taiwan from any kind of who research, even though the Taiwanese were, were really 
leading the charge before the coronavirus even made it to American shores. And uh, the leader of the WHO was basically pretending like Taiwan didn't exist. And whenever he was asked about it during an interview, it, oh, his, his, Skype he just, his Skype just magically went out or he can't hear or he's got to go. And so it, 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 a lot of it comes down to the fact that uh, Be- Beijing Biden is indeed controlled by foreign interests. You know, uh, that's, that, that's just so absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Paris Accord, he wants to reenter into that. What, what, why? Well, because uh, he, that way he can pay some uh, third world dictators to pretend like they're helping the environment because that's what these accords are. They're just, uh, they're just a play. It's a all pretend. You know, and, and the, the Paris climate accord is actually technically, and there's, there's always been debate about it, right? It's technically supposed to have been passed by the Senate, Congress, and it never was. They wouldn't pass it. Why? Because the people didn't agree with it. Well, it's always been done by executive action. I would ask you guys the same question about who and the Paris. Did it affect any of us? Hell, if anything, probably gained jobs in this country. Correct. Like the the World Health Organization, us exiting it, what what did it do to Americans? Nothing. Absolutely. It maybe brought accountability, if anything. Like I, some of these things, there's a reason Trump. Trump was Trump did a lot of things off the cuff, but that's what we needed in this country. The longer you wait, then that means the more special interests are involved in the decision making. The longer that takes for someone to come out there and make a decision, that means there's somebody in there that's got their hands in the damn cookie jar. And if someone just up and hey, I don't like what what's going on with who and how they're totally ignoring Taiwan, which we recognize. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and get out of that. Right. Like Steve's saying, well, if you're going to wait or balk or never make that decision at all, why would that be? Do you have America's best interest at heart? No, because people are getting money for acting like it doesn't happen. Acting like that. It wasn't nor or believing that the guy's, sound went out on Skype because there's too many people in our government and it would be referred to as the deep state have their hands in the damn cookie jar of, of all this globalization. I'm married. And so is Steve. To, we're married to foreigners and we can ask them, you know, to, to, to look at the things in this country versus the things in their country. And it's, they often ask is, is the president's job to, to do things that are in the best interest of your, you know, America and I say, yeah. And they go, well, then what's wrong with what Trump's been doing? It's exactly what uh, President Xi would be doing. Yes. It's exactly what Vladimir Putin would be doing. Why, why, why should we feel guilty as a country for that? Why is the media fanning the flames of feeling guilty for wanting America to be great and succeed? I, 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 it baffles a foreigner. Because their leaders are elected to look out for the best interest of their country. What what on earth, and this is a, a kind of, I guess, a facetious question, what on earth is um, Joe Biden, or the Democratic Party for that matter, what, what, do they, what do they see or what are they saying that they think, if you're going to put it on a scale seems that it would help America more than help the rest of the world. Well, I think that um, entering into these agreements makes politicians feel good about themselves 
but it gets back to the whole premise of um, why Trump won. Um, instead of sending these monies, our tax dollars, to uh, these foreign um, bureaucracies, you might call them, uh, it doesn't make sense to the average person. And that, that, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, there's an appeal for Trump that it's America first, not uh, the WHO, not uh, how we can appease uh, Iran. It's not uh, the Paris uh, Accords. Um, it's how he can bring jobs to America. And that's why there are so many people that love this guy is because we don't care about the, the Paris Accord and putting punishments on us because we're a rich nation and then other countries get by with uh, doing business and dirtying up the environment for 20 years later and there's restrictions on us. Um, it, it's senseless and it, and it get, you know, it's a part of that common sense we were talking about earlier. It makes no common sense to enter into an agreement, which, um, some countries because of how, uh, their economies and we need to prop them up that we uh, allow them sp special privileges while we, uh, put restrictions on ourselves. Um, the American people are, using their brains and saying, this makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I, exactly. It scares me because in these Rust Belt states, um, those were heavily, you know, a lot of the iron and steel and coal and natural gas jobs, okay? You would think that it, it just goes to show you because the races are so close in those states, that tells you how many jobs we've lost in these states. <laughs> like, it is a problem. Like, if it wasn't a problem, Pennsylvania wouldn't be close. There's enough people out there with no work. They're now dependent on the government. And there's been presidential candidates that have been crucified for saying what I'm going to say right now. But it's a fact. The decline of our industry in this country, up until the point Trump got in, has been dramatic. And people are finally starting to say, yeah, wait a minute, we do need to change that, you know? And Trump, I, I think that some of these states that they're finally starting to come to that realization that it, it is Trump's telling everybody the, the truth. Does he pepper things with far-fetched, crazy lies? He's yeah. extremely hyperbolic. Yeah, I mean, I'm very similar like that. The, the truth is we have lost a lot of these jobs and some of the people hadn't gotten the message yet because the, those kinds of jobs, they tended to be Democrat voters anyway, the late, the unions and stuff in these States. And it's hard to get them to, to, to think differently, but they're starting to a bunch of them still think, you know, I would say poorly. Um, unlike AOC, I don't think they need to be put into a camp and corrected. They can come to it on their own after they realize they still don't have a job for four more years there, there's no need to put anybody into any kind of re-education camps the only thing that needs to be done is that uh, people who are honest need to be allowed to be honest and people who are being dishonest need to be seen for the shams and charlatans that they are instead of uh, basically these people who the only thing they they have access to is cable tv and cable tv is basically the uh, the mid-left arm 
of the Democratic Party at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about it when we discussed the social dilemma. Um, I just think big tech and big media, they just really have fa- they've really messed up this country. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any better better way to put it. You they've know, messed up a lot more than just this country. They've messed up the whole world. The whole world. Yeah, it's all, everybody doesn't know how to deal with it. Um, people don't tend to go out and search their own facts. Um, you know, I'm, I was telling Tony, I'm getting off of these mainstream media outlets because there seems to be something behind every one of them, even Fox. <laughs> and not that I'm trying to trash Fox, but I, I, Steve had brought this to my attention a week ago and I wondered, and now things seem to be lining up a lot more with what Steve was saying with some comments that Tucker Carlson made. I do think Tucker Carlson's a genuine guy, but I think there may be somebody above him saying, you got to toe the line here or you're gone. Um, you know, some of these things are interesting. Like we have the um, press secretary, what's her name? Kaylee McEnany yeah. talking about, you know, allegations of fraud and, and, and even Fox cuts, cuts away and says that they've been uh, unsubstantiated and, well, that's not true. <laughs> like the whole point of news is to show what's going on. I mean, it's the press secretary of the freaking United States of America. Like no matter what's coming out of her mouth, it's, it is news. It is the news. Neil Cavuto isn't the news. Whatever Fox News wants something to be or CNN wants something to be, that isn't the news. The news is what is happening that needs to be reported on. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, the news was Kaylee McEnany's speech. That was the news. Make of it what you will. Don't filter it for me and then tell me what you thought it should be. That's that's where all of them are now. All of the mainstream media outlets, that's that's them. You can see it now crystal clear. You know, four or five or six years ago, I'd maybe say, eh, not so bad. It's, it's insane now. It's like someone takes what they want people to believe for the day and outlines it and then um, talks about it with talking heads on TV, tries to convince every listener to believe that. It's crazy. It absolutely is. Um, it, I think that Fox, uh, like th- this kind of goes back to a conversation that Sam and I had. Uh, the, the, the comments that he was referring to is whenever uh, Tucker Carlson, at first he was saying that they had some damning evidence, uh, a hard drive being mailed to them, uh, regarding Hunter Biden and uh, his side of uh, collusion in Ukraine. Um, and then he comes on with a special saying, oh, it disappeared in the mail. It seems like uh, some kind of a, uh, a felony was committed in that uh, personal mail was intercepted uh, and destroyed or something like that. And then the next day he says, oh, we found it, but... Uh, uh, we're not going to kick a man while he's down. I used to be a neighbor with uh, Hunter Biden. His wife was a nice lady. Uh, we've already drug him through the mud. We don't need to do that anymore. So we're just going to going to let this whole thing go. And you know, as as a regular listener of Tucker's, like it, I, I don't, I've kind of fallen out with uh, Fox News back in 2011 during the big tsunami in Japan. I was there. And uh, it was actually Fox News that tried to say that there was a nuclear reactor in Tokyo that had gone up in flames when it was actually a dance studio that had poor fire code. Um, It it was just 
completely ludicrous to me. And the only reason that Fox is currently even remotely honest is because they are in a lot of ways, the resistance network right now. Uh, but whenever Tucker finished saying that I, I was flabbergasted, you know, like the, the 2016 elections had restored a lot of my faith in a lot of things just because the, fa- just the simple fact that Trump won kind of proved to me that it is possible that it's not all just fixed and planned and we're just being led by the nose saying, Oh yeah, yeah, this was your choice. This was your choice. Um, but anyway, I was just left flabbergasted after Tucker said, like, got us all riled up thinking that, uh, oh, we did find this thing, and here we are going to show you now. Uh, yeah, I am telling the truth, and yeah, we do have this evidence here. And then he just, I don't know, he just wanted to pull his punch. And to me, that just made me start going down this rabbit hole of thought that... Uh, I think that he had some kind of an executive pulling back the reins because ultimately Fox news is complicit in uh, Biden's rig job. I mean, you just got to look at them calling, what was it? Arizona. Uh, Yeah. Calling Arizona way too early. Uh, It's obvious that they're complicit to me because you got to And you got to think like you might be thinking, well, well, if Fox news is conservative, why would they want the progressive guy to win? Because, And the reason is very simple. Even with Donald Trump in charge, they were still part of the resistance because, well, I mean, the zeitgeist is, uh, there's that word again, Sam. Mm -hmm. Uh, The zeitgeist is really, the media zeitgeist anyway, is really in favor of hating Trump, like was mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast and is very obvious to all of us. And, Think of how much of the resistance that underdog they're going to be if Biden's in charge. I mean, like they're they're going to look like uh, the French underground during World War II. Yeah, and I to cut in on you, I think they've miscalculated because the advent of YouTube and all of these other outlets, um, it's already seeing monstrous conservative growth for different media outlets, and I think that Fox is. Uh, thought they had dominance in that because they were the only mainstream media uh, considered uh, conservative. And I think that people will leave there and there's other pretty decent outlets out there and they're, they're probably never going to come back. Well, well, look at us. I mean, um, exactly. we're discussing things that um, the, the mainstream media are not discussing and people are going to start searching for those types of outlets. And I had a thought while Steve was talking um, that, um, there's been this vicious, vicious attack on, on Trump. Um, and some of it, uh, is so just absolutely ludicrous to even have an investigation about. And then we, when we have certain information that needs to be sought or, or there, there needs to be some kind of, um, investigating into say, say Joe Biden's, uh, son, um, why is it pushed aside? I, I mean, these allegations seem to rise far above the phone call which Trump was impeached for. Um, the election, I mean, should we not demand of our, uh, the people who uh, run the elections, should we not demand that um, we have observers and uh, really 
have an honest, open election because if if one group gets by with it and the other, we don't have equal the so-called equality under the law. Um, how are we to 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 continue as a as a free nation? Because it, it seems awful lopsided um, when there are concerns on the right versus uh, some of the concerns on the on the left. Um, you know, I, I think it's extremely important to get this election right. Um, what is it going to hurt um, to have observers recount Pennsylvania, for example, um, and have uh, several people on the right, some in the middle, and some on the left do a thorough recount so that 70 million Americans can trust the outcome that is trust there. The and that helps if Joe Biden is the winner. 70 million Americans who are not trust, trusting in how the election uh, has been run are, are going to come Joe Biden's way and say, okay, he's a legitimate president. But if you don't allow those things to happen, there, there's going to be. Um, yeah, you're, what you're saying is, it, and, and I totally agree with you, like, is it not worth this small effort? And I would view it as small considering the stakes. Yeah, I to, mean, to get, it, to get it, confidence in the integrity of our election system. I mean, like, there's people talking about I mean, a civil war. I mean, do we want that above recounting an election? Right. That's uh, the yeah. Vote? The, the risks uh, for recounting are um, minimal. Minimal. I mean, if you, if, you, if if first of all, if you are confident that you won, which is the Joe you Biden have no side, problem. then you shouldn't care. And if you're maybe you'll gain some votes if you're Trump. It, but but my thing is is what you lose if you don't do it is the confidence in the integrity of the election system, which I would say um, I'm sure that everybody that voted for Biden is confident in it because he won. I mean, that kind of correlates, same thing. Um, but I, w- why? I mean, you would think you would, you would do a, I would do a bigger stimulus bill to make sure that problem was solved than the stimulus package uh, over the pandemic because the stakes are way too high if nobody trusts an election. Yeah, and you, you add that in with some of the comments uh, from from people who are uh, seeking power. Um, you know, it's not just limited to uh, the Pirate, uh, the Paris Climate Accord. I mean, we have basic essential rights that are at stake. Uh, the Second Amendment, uh, more specifically, uh, the First Amendment. Um, you know, there there is a movement to uh, squelch speech. Um, you know, we talked about it with the uh, the, the major media networks, and uh, now you see it with the big tech. Um, uh, the, the people on Facebook or or say Twitter, um, they will post something, and then all of a sudden the followers uh, decline. Um, so. There are some really important um, reasons to get this election right. Uh, if if people are, are just sensing an, a, a sense of unfairness in, in our system and even in private organizations and unfairness, um, it's going to anger people. It's going to uh, incite emotions. Um, you know, one of the things that... Uh, 
um, I think needs to be said is the left was very, very angry. And when people have these deep-seated emotions, um, there's going to be one person that is going to uh, do something like, the, the say, the Timothy McVeigh. There was a lot of people that were angry about Ruby Ridge and a lot of people angered at our federal government and how they um, uh, treated Waco. Um, Posse Comitatus comes to mind. We sent tanks into a building which killed um, a lot of people. And the American people were so angry at Bill Clinton and, and Janet Reno. But what, what I'm trying to get to is on the left, they were very angry. And um, anyone that wasn't condemning the behavior of the rioters, I equate the rioters equal to Timothy McVeigh. They were out burning buildings down. Timothy McVeigh burnt, blew up a building. He was, he was passionate about what he believed in so much that he um, uh, built a bomb and blew up a building. And these people are so passionate, and we all condemn that, and our anger shouldn't, should never reach that point. But, but on the flip side of it, we allowed people to go and burn buildings down and destroy property. What is the difference? Why aren't you condemning that? If someone on the right did not condemn, it's equal to someone on the right not condemning Timothy McVeigh. Here are people out doing essentially the same thing, blowing buildings up, uh, burning them down, uh, shooting in the shooting each other, uh, targeting police officers. Uh, because of their anger, because uh, there's not uh, social justice. And there was not one person on the left to condemn that behavior. Where are we headed as a nation if we look the other way because our cause is the most important? And um, I'll let one of you guys... I actually, I actually had a, a lot of thoughts while you were given that. You brought up some extremely good points. Uh, and I think that it's interesting that you equated the rioters to Timothy McVeigh because a lot of these people who are getting arrested for throwing Molotov cocktails and throwing bricks and burning things down tend to be people who are less than stable mentally, uh, just like Timothy McVeigh. And, um, yeah, you're right. They, they haven't been properly condemning it. In fact, they've just been saying, eh, it's mostly peaceful, just kind of fiery. Um, but this goes into one thing where the left has a great deal of expertise that a lot of people on the right just don't understand. And that is low intensity. Um, what Timothy McVeigh did was high intensity. It was, it was big. It was bombastic. It was a, a single explosion that, killed many people in just one go what a lot of these leftists are doing is yeah they might kill a couple of people here and there and you know that's just one little toe too far over the line for the media's uh, perspective but most of the time all that they're doing is just intimidating people they're going around in, in these towns which are mostly on their side and saying you have to raise your fist you have to 
to repeat our chants because they are chants because this is a religion that we're dealing with. Um, but I, I think the main thing to answer your question is the amount of intensity. They always want to make sure that it's just enough to get their message across. It's just enough to intimidate people into following them. You know, the spineless cowards that would follow them, but it's not quite enough to be so obvious that even somebody like Don Lemon would have to stop and say, okay, guys, this is too much. That's my answer uh, to your question. And another answer to your question is, and, and I heard this uh, on a video from Thomas Sowell's channel just recently. I don't know if you know who Thomas Sowell is, mm-hmm. but he is a, a very, very intelligent uh, uh, black man who is, uh, what is he, like 90 years old now? Yeah, he's pretty old. He, he's, he's up there, and he has been through the ringer. He, ha- he was a socialist at one point, and typically uh, a socialist who is intellectually uh, honest will eventually become the most vehement anti-socialist, like George Orwell uh, used to be a socialist too. But um, He is 90. Okay, so uh, anyway, I, I, was, I was dead on there, actually. That's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Uh, he, on, on a video that came out on his channel, it it showed like little clips of Democrats, um, giving excuses or tacit support to rioters back in 1967 or the, um, in the nineties, 92, I think it was, uh, the Rodney King riots. Um, and, and, and then you had people giving tacit support for that. And then Obama giving tacit support to the rioters in Ferguson. Uh, so I, I think those are my answers to your questions. Well, the, the, these things come out of a playbook, uh, rules for radicals. Saul Alinsky. Yes. Um, create chaos in the streets. Um, and then you replace the law that you don't like, or the constitution you don't like with one that you, that you do. And every revolution or every uprising in, in any nation comes with chaos and people want order. Maybe this election was a part of that, that this their playbook actually worked. And they convinced enough people all of the chaos was from leftists on purpose to cr- create a, a uh, scene that it's Trump. It's Trump. We wouldn't be out here in the streets if uh, Trump didn't incite this in us. Uh, and there was a yearning for people to have some kind of order. I think that that, along with the coronavirus, has caused the outcome that we had. Yeah. Trump should have won by a landslide. And in Pennsylvania, it doesn't make sense to me that... Um, a candidate goes into a state and says that they're going to get rid of their uh, uh, two million people's livelihood and all of the supporting industries that support that that livelihood for each for for uh, say uh, fracking or gas and oil. Uh, there's supporting Still. industries. There's restaurants that those people go and spend their money in, and so on and so on and so on and. and uh, if it's like Hillary Clinton coming to West Virginia, she destroyed her chances in West Virginia, and we were a blue state at one time, and now we're solidly red. I, I, I say, well, why didn't that that 
that outcome happen in Pennsylvania. Um, I, it's hard for me to believe that Joe Biden making the comments about fracking that he won Pennsylvania. Uh, it just does not make sense to me. Uh, and I'll let you go from there. Yeah. Well, I wanted to go back to the rioting. I, I actually want to oh, go for it. take a little side tangent here because what you said, it gave me another thought actually. Um, that I think a lot to answer your question about, uh, it, it doesn't make sense that these people would be voting against their own interests. You know, like these union members in the steel industry and the coal industry and the fracking industry, why would they vote on mass? And I think the answer to that, it lies within the source of, and the amount of information that they get. I actually have something pulled up on my phone right now. Um, a Twitter post by a Dr. Naomi Wolf, a blue check mark on Twitter. And um, she said, if I'd known Biden was open to lockdowns in quotes, as he now states, which is something historically unprecedented in any pandemic and a terrifying practice, one that won't ever end because elites love it. I would never have voted for him. Of course, Ian Miles Chong said, we told you, and the truth is Biden told you if you were paying attention. And to me, it, it just blows my mind that somebody who can have the prestigious prefix of their name of doctor would be stupid enough to think that Biden wouldn't be instating these lockdowns. I actually had to throw in a comment there and said, I laughed out loud at this one. How appropriate a blue check mark with a doctorate is such a low information voter that she didn't know Biden basically told us he'd be locking the country down. This, ladies and gentlemen, is proof that one does not have to be intelligent to be educated. And that was my side tangent there. I just really wanted to throw that that out there. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because that's that's very true. He actually was telling us that. I mean, what about all the things that he refused to tell us he was going to do? Like packing the Supreme Court. And so, um, you know, all of that should have led some people if they voted. I mean, yeah, that woman sounds like an idiot. Um, Well, An idiot with a doctorate. Yeah. There's a lot of them, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but I want to go back to the rioting, and, and this is where the, there need, we need to d- differentiate the extreme left with the uninformed voter, like Steve just said, because um, there is a difference, and there is an extreme right and, and, and as well. And I view a lot of these rioters are anarchists, pure socialists, and they're never going to stop even with Biden. He's never going to be able to please them enough. Well, have you heard some of the the chants now that uh, the media has declared Biden to be our king? Uh, Now they're saying Biden is a racist, too. We're not going to stop. Well, let me exactly. So let me finish this this train of thought. So like uh, that's never going to end. You can never just like with the the people you were talking about. It goes on and on and on and on. You don't you don't try to appease those people because they're unappeasable. Just like I was saying about calling, you know, keep calling us bigots and keep calling us racists and keep calling us homophobes. I don't need to bend over and prove to them that I'm not because the second that I do, there's going to be something else about me they don't like. So why not just tell me you just don't like me and you're never going to like me? And that's one thing about Trump that was awesome. That's why he didn't give in to a lot of this media stuff. Because it didn't matter what he changed. They just didn't like the guy. So that you can't appease this kind of behavior. 
period. You, you, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm going to change everything about me so that people will sit out there and say, I'm not a racist because I did vote for Biden. You know what I mean? And all these things. Well, guess what? They're still not going to like me. There's something else about me that I'm going to have to change for this subgroup of people. Um, so how about I vote for the person I want to vote for <laughs> um, instead of doing some, I don't know what you call it, a... Um, pander? Yeah, pander. Exactly. You know, I don't... Um, and then there was another issue I was going to say about, um, you know, these universal mask mandates and all of these things that I think that... and I've said this on this podcast many times, Trump losing, which I know it's still up in the air, but the state, not just the deep state, but the state is too big. It is just too big. Too there's, much bureaucracy. Yeah, there's too much bureaucracy. The things that we fled from, the things that, that, the things that made this country so great, the freedom to try things and fail, the freedom to do all this stuff, it seems to be evaporating in front of our eyes. And in this election, this is what depresses me the most. Not just that Joe Biden would win, but that people would vote in this country, actively go out and vote for a bigger state. We're the last, like I've said in this pod, we're the last country like this in the world and we're voting it away. And, and I'm sorry, but whoever's listening, once the state controls everything, they control it forever, especially with the way that technology is these days. And it's, it's, we, we, it's like the matrix, except we're not quite inside of a tube, but we've lost control. Yeah. Um, you, whenever you said once the state takes control of something, Tony and I, like it, we, we just had, I saw the sparks coming out of his ears and I think he, he saw the sparks coming out of my ears because like, honestly, that that's the key right there. That's that, the ticket. That that that's where the whole fifteen days to flatten the curve turned into hundred and fifty days real quick. Yeah. The 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 state that can give you everything can take everything away. Yes. Yes. That, that's very succinct and so very would true. would you guys agree with that little bit I just said? One hundred and ten. So, yeah. Like we have we witnessed in front of our own eyes over the last four years a president that tried to pull us out of that. And apparently we were just a little bit too late because it brought him down too. it's too to me. If this proves anything, it proves that it's too damn big. Yeah, that, that was, that could easily have been proven long before Trump got in too. as long as you're paying attention. Anyway. Oh, no, no, it was. But my point is, is Trump won to try to get us partly. I wouldn't say it would be that specifically, but, I think his mandate was to try to get, get us out of that, out of that. And it was already too, like it, it was not disputable that it was big, but it was like, is it, is this ship writable? And I would venture to say because of the results of this election, it isn't. And so to answer your question directly, where does this lead? I don't know, but it doesn't seem writable. It does not seem like the future of this country well, is that well, we're ever going to get out of a position where we're going to have less government intervening in our daily life decisions than, um, than more. Well, records are meant to be broken. Um, you know, we always say once a record happens that there's no way. I remember Bill O'Reilly in uh, 2012 
let's see, yeah, 12, saying that this is the end of America. It's the very end. But uh, our system is really unique, and um, it's worth mentioning that I think of it as a pendulum. If that pendulum swings too far to the left like Obama, the result is someone like Trump. And Bill O'Reilly in 2012 never thought that it was something that we could bridge have, yeah, or, or get control of again. Yeah, bridge the gap. Uh, and, but we, we, we did hire Trump for four years. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that there are po- uh, many possibilities of, of riding that ship. Uh, you know, are we going to be patient enough? Uh, are they going to en- encroach? on our bill uh, on the bill of rights so much so that it's going to anger us to uh think about uh a um our declaration of independence i i think one of the things that uh we need to do is educate um we need to read the declaration of independence if you have not read the declaration of independence it is more valid now than it was 200 years ago and um let's I, let's do that as a challenge to our listeners you know if somebody's listened to this and they've made it the whole hour that we've talked so far pick up go, go google the declaration of independence and read it i i i think people will be surprised yeah i, I think that it will get right like we talked about earlier in this podcast that things are swinging the other way but my my overall point is is that even when we get different presidents in like Steve saying, are they really going to be able to do anything? The state, I think we can have different people in and out of these offices, but I think the state's too big. I think that that is a ship that can't be righted unless, um, unless we have somebody in there long enough to completely clean it out. And I I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe someone more bold. Well, I'm not, I'm hoping Donald Trump, I'm hoping that you're right. And I want to, we should probably end this on a positive note because my, my mom actually said, you know, you always end doom and gloom. So no matter what we do, let's end this podcast on something positive. Uh, There is one thing that has been sitting on the tip of my tongue for a little while now that I want to get out there before it leaves my head. Um, I think we were talking a little bit earlier uh, about uh, Trump's tweeting habits and how he can be kind of crass and insulting to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one thing that a lot of people need to consider is who these insults and all this crassness is targeted towards. If you look like he'll, he'll insult Rosie O'Donnell, for example, uh, or some sort of other, celebrity who trash talked him uh he will say that uh you know colin kaepernick is ruining football and that they should make a rule where there's no kneeling during the anthem and things like that who is he targeting he's targeting multi-millionaire athletes who what do they really do they play a game on tv mm-hmm. you know what what kind of impact do they really have now is is he targeting his insults at regular people no. no, not really. And he's trying to prop regular people up. He's trying to, he's saying, we love the steel workers. Now let's flip the, let's flip things around. What did Hillary Clinton cause, call half of the American populace deplorable? What did Biden call half of us chumps? 
What? Yeah, and I will say, you're you're right. I mean, he really, and you and I've talked about this, Tony, in private conversations over the phone. But he he's genuine, like, and well, he speaks of our outrage, um, yeah. being outraged at. Um, you know, we, we talked about Fox News earlier losing viewership. We talked about uh, one of the things we haven't talked about is that we are very powerful. We, I think I saw uh, either the NBA was down 60 or 70% viewership. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, well, you're talking about a kick in the ass. Yeah. I mean, what is that saying? You know, that the, we are powerful enough. Uh, there's a mass exodus of Facebook, uh, November 13th. 13th, I think. Yeah, is, two days. Uh, going to parlor. Um, your oh. voice can be heard. I mean, so these are positive things to uh, incite that or, or to spell out that to people that are powerful, like these the NBA or the, the NFL, that somehow we're going to do it our way and you're not important to us. We're, we're going to uh, support... Uh, something that 90% of our viewers don't support and the backlash from not understanding the American people is tremendous. Will hit their, oh. their, 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 it's, their, it's already their, crushing them. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, let, let me finish it. Let me, let me wrap this up on, on, on one thing. And I want to say here too, um, let's not forget that it's veterans day today, uh, oh, yeah. during the recording of this, we shall be thankful. So for thank service. you to all the, the veterans. I don't know. Um, if this is going to get posted today on Veterans Day or not, but those listening, it was recorded on Veterans Day, so we want to say thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Shannon, my um, brother. Okay, yes, thank you, Shannon. Thanks to my cousin Mel that I know of here, you know, off the top of my head. Thanks to every soldier who went out and fought for everything that we take for granted. Yeah, and our ability my to... grandfather. Yeah, and all the ability here, you know, g- giving us the opportunity to be able to speak on here like this. But I want to, I want to end it on this note, and I'm going to go to music, but for those that say, you know, Trump's not going to concede, he's not going to do this. Just think back to a, to a comment that Trump made in the very first debate that was hard to listen to. Okay. Everybody agreed to that, but he said it under his breath to Biden and they were arguing about Antifa. And what is one of the things that Trump said? And it gives me the chills because it was to the bone. He meant it. Nobody brought it up, but he, he basically said under his breath, if you win this election, they're going to be coming for you too. He was being dead serious. He was talking to Joe Biden about Antifa and he wouldn't condemn him. And Trump was insinuating this is a very serious problem for this country. And it doesn't matter whether I'm condemning them or not. It's for real. And the way that he said that, and he said it under his breath, just insinuated and gave me this power of like, First of all, yeah, Trump's willing to step down. I mean, he's admitting he, if he could lose to Biden, that's one point. But secondly, he was telling Joe Biden, this is for real, man. Like, this is for real. I, I, it was like a cut, cut the bullshit moment. This is for real. This Antifa is for real. And no matter who's president, they're going to be gunning for our ass. And it just got glanced over. And I heard that and I thought, he was speaking honestly to Joe Biden just then not, not trying to undercut him, nothing president to possible future president. This Antifa thing, serious shit. And on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to just tell our listeners, just remember that. Um, and 
I thank all those for that, that are listening and that have stayed with this conversation. For those of you that are getting tired of hearing our political thoughts, I'm sorry. We'll probably keep doing this here and there. I mean, it is the world that we live in. Uh, for those that uh, are getting tired of it and disagree with it, I'm sorry. You can always listen to somebody else. And for those of you who are not tired of it and love listening to it, uh, put on your seatbelt because there's going to be more. So thank you. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation.